All right, Shabbos, say good morning, good morning. Let us, let us begin. I want to begin by thanking all of our sponsors, Baruch Hashem, many sponsors for today's year to thank Anatama Torah sponsors for the month of Av, Paul and Kathy Pollock, for dedicating all of the Shi'urim and Drashos this month in honor of their grandchildren. Tikva Esther Simcha Avigayim Alana Milicenta, may they grow to become the best version of themselves. The Dafyomi Shir for sponsoring the, the, the Shi'urim this month in the Shos of for Yehuda Ben Michal, our week of learning sponsors. Bill and Razi Eskin, in memory of Bill's father, Mordechai ben David, Razi's mother, Tevia Bas Moshe Aaron. And our Dafyomi sponsors for today, Ken Krieger, Alan Meyerowitz, Moshe Wordersheim, Greg Levitan, in honor of Alan Wiseman's 80th birthday. Mazel tov, mazel tov. Me'akadosh Baruch Hu. Thank you, Alan. With Arichos Yamim Vishanim Gezunt Admeh Ve'asim Shanim Tovos. To thank Alan Wiseman for dedicating today's year. With thanks to Hashem for allowing me to reach a significant birthday without the need for a walker with tennis balls. Incredible. Wow. That's, uh, that, that's, may we all be Zoha and Yer Hashem to make that sheer dedication. Incredible. And to thank Hananya and Mirav Lasker for dedicating the sheer today in commemoration of the yard site of Hananya's father, Yosef Ruvain Halevi Ben Avron. We, we hope in the merit of our Talmud Torah. The Nisham will have an aliyah, the family in Nechama. We hope in the merit of our Torah. Kol Cholei will have a complete and enduring refuah. And we'll say with that, let us begin. We have a beautiful, beautiful daf ahead of us, ahead of us today. Today's daf is Choftes. 29, we are picking up on Chav Ches Amid Beis 28b at the two dots, about uh, 20 lines up from the bottom. So as you remember again, in yesterday's daf, we introduced the concept, the really fascinating halachic idea, that an adult could testify about events which he experienced during his childhood. So we gave a whole bunch of different examples of that. So the example we're up to right now is Beis HaPras. So the Gemara says, V'sha'a makom, like almost like right in the middle of that. On Chof Chesim, Beis 28b. V'sha'a makom hazeh, Beis HaPrasu. So one of the things that, a, that an adult is permitted to go ahead and testify about is that he remembers that as a child, from, from his childhood, this field is a Beis HaPras. So let's remember again, what's a Beis HaPras? Rashi says over here, Rashi gives a good explanation, Beis HaPras, HaChorish HaSakever, Hare Ose Beis Hapras, Mea Amo. Shikach Shiru, Shachamacharisha Moleches Es Asamos Hames. Vidilma Nagabo, Ohisit Hamahalikbo, Etzem Kisorov, Shemtai Magomas. What's a Beis Hapras? Beis Hapras is a field in which I know there was a grave. What's the problem? The field was plowed over. What's there for the concern? That as a result of the plowing, Halacha Lamaisa, Halacha Lamaisa, bone fragments may have been scattered over the course of the field. The problem, therefore, is if I traverse the field, we have an issue either of coming in direct contact with bone fragments, or for that matter, what? Hovering over a bone fragment. If I come in contact with a bone fragment, now again, there's halachas with that. In other words, a bone fragment the size of a, the size of a wheat kernel could go ahead and convey tumor through maga and maso, ultimately through carrying or through contact, but Tumas Ohel, also hovering over a bone or flesh for that matter, could also go ahead and convey Tuma. So we'll say this is the concept of a Beis HaPras. So what the Mishnah is therefore telling me is that a child, an adult, is permitted to come to Beis and say, listen, I remember from my childhood, this field is a Beis HaPras. So says the Gemara, listen to this, so why is that? My time of, my time of, why, why is it that the adult is believed to give testimony about something that he knows from his childhood. It's very simple. And also, I remember again, the common theme amongst all of these items is, when are you believed in your adult life to give testimony about something you experienced in your childhood? When? In Dinei Drabanon. So the concept of a Beis is a Drabanon. So that's why ultimately, again, in this case, the adult is believed. So the Gemara says, how do we know it's a Drabanon? Interestingly enough, how do you go ahead and navigate a Beis HaPras? It's actually an interesting idea. What do you do? You walk through it very slowly. And essentially, you blow on the earth in front of you. That way, if there is a bone fragment that is there, you'll expose it. You'll expose it. 
If you have a base apras, shenidosh. Now we'll say, nidosh in this context means what? That there's an incredible amount of pedestrian traffic. Rashi says, shenidosh, disha raba If you have a field in which there was a heavy volume of pedestrian traffic, halacha lamaisa, there is no concern of tumah. Why? My time, because we'll say, remember again, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, what are we concerned about in the base of Pras? We're concerned about the base of Pras that there may be a bone fragment. So we'll say, if you have heavy vinyl pedestrian traffic, whatever bone fragments there are, what's happened to them? They've been trampled. And because they've been trampled, they've probably been reduced to such an insignificant size that they don't even have the ability to truly convey tumor. So that's Talofa. We'll say it's another example of where an adult is believed to give testimony about something that he experienced in his childhood. Next. However, however, an adult is permitted to go in and give testimony from his childhood saying, up until here was the Tchum Shabbos. Ultimately, again, because he holds the Halacha Lamaisa, um, the tchum, concept of Tchum is a Drabanon. So once again, you have the situation of an adult giving testimony about something that he perceived as a child regarding the din Rabbanon. Incredible. So But there are exceptions to this rule. For example, for example, an adult is not permitted to say, I remember from my childhood that Reuven bought this field from Shimon. Right? That, that, that is not believed to say. Or another example, I remember, I remember as a child that when Ruvain's family members passed away, they always used to eulogize their family members in this spot. My time. So I will say, why, why, is, why, why is the aid? Excuse me, not believed in this case. We will say first of the intermediate white lines. My time. Afuki mamara lo mafkinon. I will say it's very simple. Because when you give testimony, right? Imagine I come to Basin, I say, I remember from my childhood that Ruvain bought a field from Shimon. I will say, what am I doing? Based on that, if that, if that testimony is believed, based on that testimony, what's going to happen? The potential is money could be extracted. So I will say, remember again, as we've established, the only time that you're believed in your, to testify in your adult life about things that you experienced in your childhood is de- dealing with what? Dine Durabanon. But once we're talking about monetary claims, that's no longer Dine Durabanon. That's already again Dine Daraisa. Therefore, even though it is an adult witness who is testifying, because he's testifying about things that he perceived, not perceived, experienced during his childhood, he is not believed. So the Gemara says, Tan Rabbanon, Naaman Hatinok Lomar, Kach Amrali Abba. Interesting case. When did son? A Tinok, his child, a child, is believed to say, Nebo say, again, when we say that the child is believed to say, it's the same case. An adult is believed to say, in my childhood, X, Y, and Z. So what is he believed to say? I remember, so an adult is saying, so I remember as a child, my father told me, This mishpacha is tar, this mishpacha is tame. To which the Gemara says, to which the Gemara says, What does that mean? What does that mean that my father told me, one family is tahar, one family is tame? Ella, mishpacha zuk shera, Rather, again, a child, or I should say an adult, is believed to say, I remember as a child, my father told me, this child has good gene- genealogy, right? fit genealogy, and this family has compromised genealogy. Before we go on, I'll just mention something, there's an incredible Moser Haskell in this. If you look at this line in the Gemara, so the Gemara, what does the Bible say? Ne'eman hatinok lomar kach amrali abo, Right, a child or an adult is believed to say, I remember as a child when my father told me, If there's one thing that children remember about their family as they get older, is what their, how their family talks about other people. Right, a child will remember, a child will remember, oh, my father used to talk nicely about that guy. 
didn't speak nicely about that guy. Mishpacha zu tahora, mishpacha zu tmeya. I would say our children learn so much from our own interpersonal conduct. And if they see us treating other people with dignity and respect, they remember that even into their adult lives. Conversely, if our children see us or hear us speaking Lashon Hara, if our children see us engaging in negative interpersonal behavior, if our children see us deconstructing or maligning others, ultimately, Ne'eman Tinok Lomar, that Tinok will grow up into an adult and will very often replicate that very same behavior. And so often in life, proper chinuch has very little to do with kind of what we tell our children to do and has everything to do with what we do ourselves. Because ultimately, again, it's our own parental behaviors that often serve as the greatest chinuch for our children. Such an incredible yisod that Chazal are teaching us. The Gemara goes right there. Let's say, by the way, I'll just point out it's, it's in so many different areas in life. I often think to myself, just in my own, in my own life, that you know like the greatest chinuch moment for your kid is? The greatest moment for the chinuch? When you had a terrible day and you walk into the house. Let's say, you ever have a day like that? It's like, yeah, it was yesterday. It was Tuesday. Let's say, you have an incredibly stressful day. You're stressed out. You're hungry. You're upset, you're annoyed, and now you walk in the house. You know, I will say, there's like that temptation when you walk in the house after a day like that, I'm gonna be curt, I'm, I'm gonna be like a little bit like annoyed, like don't, don't talk to me. How you decide to enter into that house, right? How, how your kids see you in that moment when you walk in, I always thought like that is the greatest moment of chinuch. Because if my kids know, bad day, I'm stressed out, Things are difficult, but yet I speak to their mother nicely. I'm courteous, I'm kind, I give people the time of day. Most incredible chinuch, most incredible chinuch. Okay, and then the Gemara goes weiter. The Gemara says, furthermore, v'ne'em lomar. Sorry. V'sha'chamu b'ktsatsa shabbas ploni leploni. We'll see what that means. And again, an adult is believed to say, as a child, we ate of the kitsatsa. We'll see what that means in just a moment. Of ploni la ploni. Furthermore, again, this already goes back to the Mishnah that ultimately, again, a child is believed to say, or an adult is believed to say, as a child, I remember we used to take chalo, in other words, kohanic chalo, matonos, kohanic portions, to so and so who is a kohen. But that's dafka if the adult is recalling childhood events that he himself participated in and he's not recalling that which someone else did. This is fascinating. But when does the halakha, this is dafka in a case of an adult Jew remembering something from his Jewish childhood. But let's say you have someone who converted. Right? So if someone who converted, a convert is not believed to give testimony about things that he experienced during his Gentilehood. Similarly, an Ebed who was emancipated. So when you emancipate an Ebed, an emancipated Ebed becomes fully Jewish. Salah an Ebed is not believed to testify about things that he experienced during his Ebed days. So the Havamina is, you might have thought, that the same way that a, an adult is permitted to go ahead and testify about things that he perceived during his childhood, at least with Dine Drabanon, the same would apply about a convert, right, from his Gentile days, and an Eved from his Eved days, or I should say, a Jew from his Eved days. Kamash no. This is only a Din by a Jewish adult in his Jewish childhood, but not by anyone else. We'll see why. However, the adult is not permitted to testify, or is not believed to say regarding his childhood, Rabbi said, No, they're believed. To which the Gemara says, What is that statement going on? In other words, Rabbi Yochanan is saying, No, that the child is believed. What case? Or I should say, Someone is believed. Which case is he arguing on? To which the Gemara says, if you want to say it's the last case, that the Tanakam is saying that an adult is not believed to go out and give testimony about front, uh, regarding his childhood, regarding monetary matters. And you're saying Rabbi Yochanan ben Baruch is coming to argue on that. That can't be. Afuke mamonahu. We'll say, no one is going to say that an adult 
could extract money from someone based on testimony in his childhood. That, 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 cannot, that cannot be. Ella Aresha. Rather, it has to be talking about the other case. What was the other case? The Kulam in Hayo Ovid Kohav of Iniskayar, Eve Vinishtachrar, Ain Neamanin, Rabbi Yochan Mamaroka Omer Neamanin. Oh, Rabbi Yochan, here we go. Here is the point of contention. Here is the Machlokes case. What's the Machlokes case? Watch this. The Machlokes case is as follows. The Halacha Lamaisa, the Tanakhama said, it is only a Jewish adult who is permitted to go and who is believed to go ahead and give testimony regarding something he experienced in his Jewish childhood. But a Gentile who converts can't give testimony from his Gentile days. An Evan who's emancipated now becomes Jewish can't give testimony from his evidence. Rabbi Yochanan Baroka says, yes, they can. Yes, they can. What's the pshat? To which the Gemara's Michael Miflagi, Tanakhama Savar, Kevan Dalvei Kochavim Hu, Bohavadayik. Rabbi Yochanan Baroka Savar, Kevan Dalvei Kochavim Hu, Bohavadayik. So I would say, it seems to be, so listen to this. Tanakama holds, it will say, since a Jewish, since a Jew may be sensitive to certain things, those sensitivities may exist even during his childhood. That's why he's believed to go ahead and testify in his adult life about things that he perceives in his childhood. So for example, for example, a child may be sensitive already to the laws of Tumantara. Therefore, he's believed to say about a Besa Pras. Or for that matter again, a child may be sensitive to who's getting truma. Right, who's getting matnoskuna? But a gentile, a gentile, is not sensitive to any of these things. That's why once a gentile converts as a convert, as a Jew, he can't give testimony based on things that he experienced or perceived in his gentile life. However, again, Rabbi Yochanan Baruch says no. It's fascinating. Rabbi Yochanan Baruch says, listen, a convert often doesn't go out and just wake up one day and say, you know what? I'm going to convert. I'm going to totally up in my life and become Jewish. There's a process. There's a process. And often Rabbi Yochanan Baruch says those Judaic sensitivities are often intact even earlier. So therefore, again, Rabbi Yochanan Baruch says a Gentile often does have those Judaic sensitivities even during his Gentile life. Therefore, Halach Alamaisa, we will believe a Gentile, or we'll believe a convert to testify about certain things that he perceived during his Gentile life because we believe that he may already have possessed some of those Judaic sensitivities. Incredible. So the Gemara goes right there. My Kitsatsa. I'll say, what's the Kitsatsa case? Remember again, one of the examples of Halach Lamaisa where we're going to go ahead and believe and believe a, an adult to give testimony about things that occurred in his childhood is that we eat Kitsatsa. What's Kitsatsa? The Tanah say, watch this. Ketzad Kitsatsa, it will say last four lines of the parak. Ketzad Kitsatsa, Echad Mina Achen Shinasa Isha Shena Geneslo. Here's the case. If you have a brother who's marrying a woman who's not really fit for him, then I will say this could be a couple of different cases. I'll give you just a classic example. A classic example could be a Kohen who's marrying a Grusha. Let's just go with a simple case. A Kohen is marrying a Grusha. Now, uh, the Marsha points out over here, you could have less dramatic cases. In other words, it doesn't necessarily have to be an isser. It could be a situation of some type of suffix. But let's go just with an isser. So we'll say, so what happens? So, so right, let's say there's a, there's a bunch of brothers. There's a bunch of brothers. Right? Elazar, Itamar, Nadav, and Abihu. And what happens? Elazar is marrying a Grusha. So what would often happen? So the members of the family would come. And they would go and bring a big barrel filled with fruits. And what would they do? They would bring the barrel like into the middle of the town square. And they would break the barrel in the middle of the street. Middle of the street. And they would say, Our fellow Jewish brethren, Shimu, Shimu, please listen. Achinu, Ploni, our brother Elazar, Nasa Isha She'ena Hogeneslo. Our brother Elazar went ahead and went ahead and married a woman who is not who is not fit for him. And we want to make a very important a very important announcement. We are concerned that his offspring is going to get mixed in with our offspring. His offspring, right, unfortunately, because he's marrying the wrong person, Solomaisa again, excuse me, Solomaisa again, Halacha Lamaisa, his offspring is going to be compromised. We're concerned that a shadow of genealogical doubt is going to be cast upon our extended family. Therefore, again, understand, 
Bow Ukihulochem Dugma Lidoros, Shaloyis Ariv Zarobizarinu. Come take a fruit and let this fruit be. Uh, let this fruit be a sign that we are going to distance him from our family and know that our offspring is not mixed up with him, with his. Vizohi Kitsatsa. And I will say this is the case of Kitsatsa. Shatinok Neaman Lahaid Aleha. I will say this is the case. So the, the, Mar- the Marsha has a whole discussion over here. So the Marsha discusses the idea about why it's called Kitsatsa. He says, Umilas Kitsatsa, Yesh the Farish Kumush Omar Zachar Hapachos. Kotzeitz, v'chein omar on the kev b'chusa kitzatza. I will say, when someone wasn't behaving correctly, they often used to call them a kotzeitz. A kotzeitz, that was like an... Now, lashon of kitzatza means from lashon to cut, to cut something, or something that is cut down. So obviously the direct reference is to the breakage of the barrel. Right, so the breakage of the barrels is lashon of kitzatza. The idea over here, it says, the Marashah says, children love fruit. So we'll say, what would happen when you break a big barrel of fruit in the Shusarabim? Just to give you like a contemporary mushroom. You want to know what happens when you broke a barrel of fruit? Watch what happens in an ofrof in Shul on Shabbos, right? So the same way, like, it's like Lord of the Flies over here. Man, it, it is like, you know, get out of the way or you will lose a limb. Right? So Lemaisa, again, Lemaisa, again, the same way, it's, it's the right? survival of the fittest. By an ofrof, right? And every kid remembers the ofrof. So when you break a barrel, when you break a barrel of fruit, that's why the, the kids came running. So it's interesting that kids remember stuff like that. Kids remember stuff. So therefore, again, an adult is believed to testify that he remembers the kitsatsa from his childhood. From his childhood. Good. I will say, Hadron Allah, Ishashanis Armalah. Mazel tov. Mazel tov. Mazel tov. New parak. Here we go. It will say, Elu naros sheishlam kinas. So I will say, we are now dealing with an interesting topic. Going to be dealing with two cases. The cases of Ones and Mofuta. The case of a man who violates a woman. The case of a man who seduces a woman. Now, while there are similarities, halachic similarities, to the penalties in those cases, we're going to see some significant distinctions as well. So look at Rashi. So let's actually translate the phrase. Elunaros Sheshlam Kinas. These are the women who have a kinas. Now we'll say look at Rashi. Now again, actually when these are the women who have a kinas, these are the women whom if Chas Vishalom one violates these women, there is a kinas penalty payment. Look at Rashi. Elunaros Dafkanara Mishivishte Saros Acheti Bagar. Vem Shisha Khadashim Shabe Naros Lebogeras. Now say, we're going to see, by the way, first Machlokis in the Mishnah is, what we'll, we'll see in the Gemara about who, which type of girl, which type of woman is in this Parsha of Kinas. So we'll see. Because remember again, Nara, Rabosei, doesn't just mean a young girl. Nara refers to a very specific stage of 12 years old, to 12 and a half years old, 12 years old and six months. So we'll get into this in the Gemara. Shiraz Rashti Sheshlam Kinas, Im Ansa Adam. Now we'll say here, the Mishnah is beginning to talking about the case of Onis, the case of a man who violates a woman. Rashi says, Im Ansa Adam, no sin la Abiya Chamishim Kasev Kidechsev, Venosan Haish Hashochev. So we'll say we're going to see that when a man violates a woman, there's multiple layers of punishment associated with that. So right now, what the Mishnah is focusing on over here is the direct financial penalty of 50 silver pieces. 50 silver. Now again, there are other penalties as we're going to see. When a man violates a woman, it's no different than any other case where one human being injures another human being, one Jew injures another Jew, where there's multiple layers of compensation. Right, Shabbos, Ripui, Boshes, all different kinds of things when you injure someone. But leaving that aside, the focus over here is on the specific financial penalty of 50 silver pieces. So, Elu Naro Sheshlan Kinas. These are the women who, if Chas Shalom a man violates, he is, are subject to the Kinas penalty, the 50, the 50 silver shackle penalty. Who are they? The Gemara says, Habala Mamzeras, if a man violates a Mamzeras, Va'al Hanasina. Or he goes ahead and violates an asina. Rashi says, "Say we're in asinim." Rashi says, "Min give onim vihi asur lekal." Did David gazra leim kidamina biyevamis va'al shem veyitemi oshua chot veitzim? So I say, remember again, 
the Nesinim go back already to the times of Yoshua. They were the Givonim, right? Ultimately, remember again, the Nesinim disguised themselves as some foreign, foreign nation, when in fact they were a Canaanite indigenous nation, because they disguised as a foreign nation, Yoshua made a treaty with them. But after he discovered the fact that they were lying, he couldn't really go back on his words. So he relegated them to the status of water carriers, tree choppers, David HaMelech made the Xera, that they cannot marry into the general population. So the Gemara says as follows. So therefore, Nesina, man violates Nesina. Or a Kusis. I will say, who are the Kusim? Remember again, Kusim? Where people from? Kusa. They were conquered also by Shalmaneser, the king of Ashur, uprooted from their land and transplanted into Eretz Yisrael. Rashi points out that there's a machlokas regarding the Kusim. They converted. Were they, were they legitimate converts, not legitimate, illegitimate converts? That's a machlokas. Our Tana holds that they were illegitimate converts. Again, we'll get into all of this. Kusis, Habala Gioras. Similarly, again, if a man violates a Gioras, a convert, Va'ala Shvuya, or a woman who was taken captive, Va'ala Shifcha, or an maid servant, Shiniftu Vishiniskaru Vishinishtachru, Pchusos Mibnos Shaloshan Vyomechad. And I will say, this is another interesting detail. The specific penalty for violating a woman in 50 silver pieces is dafka adin in besula. So the Gemara gives an example over here that similarly, again, if a man violates a convert, an emancipated slave, an emancipated servant, or a woman who was taken captive, but all of these women, converted before, emancipated before, or ultimately, again, um, were redeemed before, or, or, or younger than the age of three years old. As I was saying, then ultimately, again, we assume that they are a besula. In any of these cases, if a man violates one of these women, he's subject to the financial penalty. So I say, but what happens if a man goes in and violates his sister? Or his father's sister? His mother's sister? His wife's sister? His brother's sister? Or ultimately, again, the wife of his father's brother? Or he violates a nida? The common denominator amongst all of those women we just mentioned is halacha relations with them is punishable by karis. Punishable by karis. If a man violated one of these women whose relationship with whom is punishable by karis, nevertheless, there is still a financial penalty. Why? Because ultimately, again, there is no Misa's based in this case. I will say, here, the Mishnah is referencing another very important concept, which is, which means that when you do something which results in two punishments, two punishments, one of them being a death penalty, you get the more severe punishment, and the second punishment is essentially dispensed with. We will say, I'll give you an interesting, a simple example, it's a really simple example of this, you go ahead, I, I, Ruven goes and intentionally burns down Shimon's field on Shabbos. Burns down Shimon's field on Shabbos. And I will say, he burns down Shimon's field with Edim and Hasra. So he's done two things. What has he done? He's been Mechal Shabbos, because lighting a fire on Shabbos is prohibited, and that carries a death penalty with it. And he's financially harmed Shimon by ruining his crop. Again, this case is also interesting because here's a crime towards HaKadosh Baruch when a crime towards another person. Okay, but just for illustration purposes, since he's getting the death penalty for violating Shabbos, ultimately, again, he's going to be exempted from financial compensation. Okay, so just an example. What is Misha introducing us to? The concept of killing Medirabine only applies when? When we're talking about a death penalty administered by courts. But if we're talking about kares, which is Bidei Shamayim in the hands of heaven, that we don't apply the concept of killing midrash we look at it as only having one punishment in front of you, namely the financial punishment. So therefore, again, interestingly enough, if a man goes ahead and violates a woman who is punishable to him by kares, there will still be the financial penalty for violating her. Fascinating. I will say, by the way, of course, I just want to point out, it goes without saying, but I said, sometimes the things that go without saying are still important to say. You know, here we're talking about the act of a man violating a woman, you know, just from a penalty perspective, financial penalty perspective. 
just to be clear, obviously, again, the horrible transgression, the, the wrongness being Adam Lechavero, and the, the wrongness of it on every single level goes without saying. Here, the Mishnah, is, the Mishnah is analyzing this act in one very specific area, namely the one of financial compensation. But do not think for a moment that in the eyes of Halacha, the act of a man violating a woman is only a financial issue. It's chas It's a moral issue. It's a transgression issue. It's a crime against another human being of the highest resolution. Well, so remember again, just give you the raya to this. Give you the raya to this. What happens, Halacha Lama if you see a man attacking a woman, you see a man about to buy the woman, what's that halacha? Right? You are mechoyif to kill him. You're mechoyif to kill him. Because the act of a man violating a woman is an act of ritzicha, right? It's an act of bloodshed. He's no different than if you see Reuven running after Shimon with a knife. You're chayif to go ahead and kill Reuven to prevent him from going ahead and killing Shimon. If you see a man trying to violate a woman. That man is a rotseach. That man is a murderer. And therefore, how because the act of violating a woman is, is an act, is, is perpetrated by a person ready to commit an act of bloodshed. So I said that person has a din of a rotseach. So just to understand, we're looking at this, we're looking at this purely from the lens of compensatory damages. This isn't even damages, this is knas. Remember, I just mentioned this as well. In the realm of financial payments, there's two different types of financial payments. There's penalty payments and compensatory payments. Right? Remember again, so compensatory payments means, you know, I break your arm and therefore you can't work. You can't work. So that, that's a compensatory payment that I have to make. Versus knas. We'll say, what's knas? How do you know when something is a knas? How do you know when it's knas? When it's a set value and applies to everyone irrespective of their circumstances. So here's a perfect example of knas. A man violates a basula, 50 silver pieces. Where did where, you get that from? Right? What, what, what does that represent? It represents what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants the violator to pay. And therefore, again, it's knas. Good. Let's go. Gimara. Hani naros psulos is isli knas ksheros lo. So it's like, the Mishnah structure is so interesting. The Mishnah says, these are the women for whom you are obligated to pay a knas. And I will say, what's the, what's, the, what's the list in here? Right? What's the list? The list ultimately, again, is of women who are genealogically compromised. So I don't understand. You're only chayyif for paying a knas. Ultimately, again, for women. For women who are psulos, but not for women who are kshelos. To which the Imara says, no, no, no. Lo hachi kamar. Elu naaros psulos, sheyesh lahem knas. We're going to see. The Mishnah say no. The Mishnah means to say, Elu naaros psulos. Here we'll say, I know that obviously a woman of genealogical fitness, if a man violates her, there's going to be a knas. What's the Chiddush of You might have thought that Allah said, maybe there's no knas for psulos. That's the Havamina. Maybe there's no knas for a woman who's genealogically tainted. Kamash Malon, there is. Incredible. Nara in Kitanalot. So also remember again, the Mishnah said, Elu Naros, which makes it sound like the knas is only applicable for a Nara. Not anyone else, right? A kitana. We'll say, what about again? Remember, as I said, nara, nara is only from the age of twelve to twelve and a half. What about chasasham, someone younger? So it sounds like over from the Mishnah that there's no kinas in such a situation. To which the Gemara says, man tana, I'm Rabbi Yehuda, I'm Rav, Rabbi Meir. He. We'll say our Mishnah reflects the view of Rabbi Meir. What does Rabbi Meir hold? The Sanyo, kitana mi bas yom echad va'ad shetavish day saros. We'll say very interesting case. So we'll say here's Rabbi Meir Shita. Let, let's let's translate it and then we'll analyze. Rabbi Meir says a kitana from the age of one day up until she brings signs of physical maturation. All which we'll say we'll say means the age of twelve. It's called means at the age of twelve. So from one day until the age of twelve. Yeshla mechar knas is mechar means her father has the ability to sell her as a shifcha, right? The same way the father has the ability ultimately again to go ahead and give her into marriage. her father has the ability to sell her as a shifcha as well. And I will say, whenever the father has the mechar right, there is no din of knas. There is no din of knas. However, again, after she sprouts signs of physical maturation, 
until Bagros, which is 12 years old to 12 and a half, Yesh Leknes Ve'in Lamecher. According to the mayor, a father loses rights in his daughter at the age of 12 years old. So once she turns 12, he no longer has the ability to marry her off, nor does he have the ability to go ahead and sell her as a shivcha. The moment that his rights of sale end, the, the, the knas of, of ones, of a violation, applies. So according to Rabbi Meir, these two things never overlap. So when there is rights in mecher, there is no knas. And when there is knas, there is no mecher. Shai Rabbi Meir, Omer, Rabbi Meir used to say, Komakum shiish mecher in knas, the komakum shiish knas in mecher. Shabbat say, this is the Rabbi Meir model. This is Rabbi Meir model. So Rabbi Meir says, Whenever a father has a right to sell or marry off his daughter, she's not subject to knas. And whenever she's subject to knas, there are no rights of mecher. So, say, so just remember this, because we're going to talk about this a little bit. So again, in Rabbi, in Rabbi Meir's model, so the girl's maturation goes like this. From the age of one until the age of 12 years old, a father has a right to marry off his daughter and to sell her as a shivcha. There is no din of knas for such a girl. Once she turns 12, once she turns 12, halacha maturation Rabbi Meir, a father loses all rights in his 12-year-old daughter. He can't marry her off, and he can't sell her as a shivcha. In that moment, in that moment, the obligation of, of knas, if a man were to violate her knas shalom, ultimately again applies. And I both say, when does knas apply until? This is interesting. Ramirez model, where does the din of knas apply until? Bagros. Bagros occurs at the age of 12 and a half. So I both say, it's interesting that according to Rabbi Meir, the din of ones, of a man who violates a woman, really only applies these specific halachos. Again, when I say the din of ones, the obligation to pay the 50 silver pieces, only applies when? In a very narrow window of 12 to 12 and a half, which is quite fascinating. I both say, what happens if a man violates an adult woman? What, 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 is, what does that mean? No, so we're going to see, it might mean that there's no specific kenas of the 50 silver pieces, but of course, but of course, violating a woman is, is, is an attack. So because it's an attack, it's dealt with in halacha as any other situation where, uh, where one person damages another person. So in laws of damages, as I said, there are five different categories of compensatory damages. But halacha, again, in the specific case of kinas, of the penalty payment for violating a woman in Rabbi Meir's model, it only applies during a six-month window. Now the Chacham disagree. The Chum say, Kitana, Mi Bas Shalosh Shanav Yom Echad, Ad Sheti Bagar Yesh La Knas. So what's that? The Chum say, No, the Din of Knas applies already from the age of three years old and one day up until Bagros, up until the age of 12 years old and six months. So what's that? So again, now here's what's interesting. What does everyone seem to agree on? What does everyone agree on? That the end of Kinas is when? The end of Kinas is when? Bagos. So fascinating. Again, we'll, ha- we'll have to see where that comes from. But Allah said the end of Kinas is Bagos. The Machlokis Chacham say, but the din of Kinas already applies from the time that the girl was three years old in one day. So the Gemara says, Kinas in Mechalo, do the Chacham mean to say that the din of Kinas applies from three years old in one day, but not the din of Mechal, not the father's ability? to either marry off or sell his daughter as a shivcha, lo eima amabez afkinas. Right? Afkinas b'makom mecher. It will say, according to the Chachamim, the Chachamim say that the rights of kinas and mecher overlap. So I will say, what we have is something really fascinating. Let's, 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 so according to Rabbi Meir, according to Rabbi Meir, halach lamayis from the age of one day until the age of 12 years old, a father has the right to what we call mecher. Mecher means sell his daughter as a shivcha, marry her off. But, there, when, but according to Rabbi Meir's model, where there's mecher, there's no kinas. Kinas only begins at the age of 12 and goes from, from, from narus to bagros. That's it. According to the Chachamim, there's a profound overlap between these rights or between these concepts. According to, according to the Chachamim, from the age of three years old in one day, father has the right of mecher. Right? The father can go ahead and sell his daughter as a shivcha, marry her off. And at that point in time, the din of knas applies as well. And when does knas go until? Up until Bagros. So therefore, I will say, the Yomarish is pointing out over here that our Mishnah seems to reflect the view of Rabbi Meir. Because what does Rabbi Meir hold? Right? Rabbi Meir holds that Allah, 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 Allah,
Elu Naros, which sounds like the din of Knas only applies to a Nara. How old is a Nara? How is a Nara? 12 years old to 12 years old in six months. So the Gemara says, our Mishnah must be reflecting the view of Rabbi Meir. Again, we'll see Allah, Allah, but the Mishnah must be reflecting the view of Rabbi Meir. To which the Gemara says, the honey, B'nai Kinesa Neinu. So the Gemara says, the Gemara says, as follows, the Gemara says, are these girls in the Mishnah, are these girls in the Mishnah really considered to be B'nai Kinesa? Va'amai. Why ultimately, again, I will say, so let's analyze this a little bit. So now, here's what I've got. The Mishnah reflects the view of Rabbi Meir. And the view of Rabbi Meir is that it is a Na'ara who is subject to Kinas. A Na'ara is subject to Kinas. So now, not only that, what does the Mishnah introduce to us? Even if a Na'ara is a Psula, she's still subject to Kinas. Why? Why is it that a Na'ara who is Psula subject to Kinas? After all, listen to this, Amai, Ikri Khan, Isha. So, Isha Haru'iyalo. So I'm also listen to this. The Gemara says as follows. Take a look. The Pasik says, I will say, the Pasik says in the case ultimately again of Kinas, the Lashon of the Pasik is, the Nasan Haish Hashochiv Ima, La'avia Na'ara, Chamishim Kesef. Pasik says ultimately again, that when the man violates the woman, he will give her father. Again, we'll discuss why the penalty. Yeah, right. So the so, so the so the the puzzle is going to talk about over here. Hello, hello. Oh, cold, sorry. Right, so the, it's not cold. It's not cold. Right, so, so actually, don't do it. Don't do it. I'm going to be schwitzing. I'm going to get grumpy. Don't do it. Right, so, so 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 I'm just going to put it down in five minutes. So, so, so the, the idea over here is as follows. The pasuk says we'll discuss why the penalty payment goes to the father. We'll discuss that. But so the Pasik says that the violator will go ahead and give to the father of the girl, Hamishim Kasef, below Sihya Leisha. Then we're going to talk about this concept, and she becomes a wife to him. We have not discussed this. All we've discussed so far is the concept ultimately again of paying the financial payment. There is this fascinating concept that when a man violates a woman, he's obligated to marry her. He's obligated to marry her. So I will say, so the Pasik says below Leisha. And what do you see from that? Isha haru'uyalo. Now, both say, let's talk this out for just a moment. In order for there to be a concept of what? That the man has to marry a woman. What has to happen, I both say? What has to happen? She has to be marriageable. Right? In other words, she has to be genealogically fit that he's permitted to marry her. Isha haru'uyalo. So, I will say, so that's the case. It's interesting. Based on that concept, that there's an obligation of the ma'anis, of the violator, to marry his victim. So I would have thought Dafka that the Knas wouldn't apply to Psulos. Why not? Because Halacha Lamaisa, the Ma'anis, the violator, can't marry this woman. To which the Gemara says, to which the Gemara says, Ba'amai ikri kan isha isha Lakish, Na'ara, Na'ara, Hanara. Lakish says, in this section, in this section, the Torah says as follows. The Torah uses the word Nara three times. Now I will say, in reality, it's not three times. In fact, it's really two times. So I will say, the positive Gemara is quoting is, Ki ish Nara Besula, Ashelo Arasa, the man will find a Nara Besula, who is not betrothed, Utafasa Bishachav Ima Benimsu. So I will say, so the Pasik says, Nara, Nara, Hanara, which really means, it says Nara twice. In the second time the Pasuk used says the word Nara, it says it in an in a elongated form, Hanara. So that makes it as if ultimately, again, the word is said three times. So why three times? Chad le What is the teacher that it applies to a Nara? The Chad la'asuye chai be'ladin. The Chad la'asuye chai be'krisos. I both say it's a drush on the Pasuk. Since there are extra usages of the word Nara, so one Nara comes to teach that the din of ones, the din of violation only applies to a nara. Second nara teaches me that the din of nara applies even to who? A woman who is an isralav, and one comes to teach you that it applies even to what? Chade krisos. Incredible. So we'll say, says, you would have thought the havamina is that a woman who you can't marry, you're not allowed to marry, ultimately there should be no din of da'av of the knas. Kamash no, we make this drasha. Rapapa Rapapa says, same idea. Besula, besulos, habesulos. They both say the Pasik uses the word besula twice, 
and if you make it into three times, because it says besula, besulos, and it doesn't just say besulos, it uses the elongated form of habesulos. That gives you three words to work with. One teaches you that halacha this knas only applies in the case of a besula. One comes to include a girl, ultimately again, who is prohibited to the ma'anes, to the violator as a lav. And one comes to include ultimately again a girl who is a chiv krisos. So both sides. The denominator of reshlakshin rapapa, the dashin, different words, but lamaisa, it's the same model of drasha, which is you have certain words which are being repeated multiple times. Multiple times. Why is it being repeated multiple times? To allow you to darshan those words, bless you, to include other people who you would have normally exempted. So again, because over here in this context, Halacha Lamaisa, there's an obligation of the ma'anes, of the violator, to marry his victim. You might have thought, therefore, the kanas only applies in the case of a woman whom he can marry. Kamashon Rishlakish says, Nara, Nara, Hanara, Rapapa, Besula, Besulos, Habesulos. The extra words are teaching me that the kanas penalties apply even in situations where what? The, the aggressor cannot go ahead, and the perpetrator cannot marry the victim. Why does Rapapa darshan besulos? Why doesn't he darshan nara? Why, like Rish Lakish, how we violate the chidabaye? Because what's according to Rapapa, you need the nara for a different drasha. Let's say a man violated a woman and the victim died. Not, 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 not necessarily as a, not, not a result of the, not a result of the, of the, of the violation. Let's say something else happens. She, she gets hit by a car and she dies. What's talacha? In that case, the perpetrator is not obligated to pay the penalty payment anymore. Why? So because the Pasuk says, the perpetrator will pay the avihanara, to the father of the girl and not to the father of the deceased. Okay, so the point of what's is that Rapapa uses Nara to teach us a different Rasha. Reish Lakish, my time, why doesn't Reish Lakish hold it Rapapa? How we buy the Shava? Because ultimately, again, Reish Lakish uses Besula for Xerah Shava. What's the Xerah Shava? Desanya, Kasef Yishkol Kimar Habesulos. Ultimately, again, he will pay. He will pay. Right? This is the perpetrator. The, paper, the perpetrator will pay Kasef, silver pieces. Kimohar habesulos, sheheze kimohar habesulos, omar habesulos kazeh. Rabbi said, we're going to see, this is to make a gzera shava between the case of, of ma'anes and pitui. Remember again, I mentioned at the beginning of the, the, beginning of the parak, there are two cases. There's a case of the man who violates a woman, and there's the case of the man who seduces a woman. Look at Rashi in just a moment. Rashi says, mi barile gzera shava. Rashi says, over here, besula dechsev kawi mefata, it says, Besula by Mefata, by the case of the man who seduces a woman. It says, Besula by Mefata, and it says, Besula by Ma'anis, by violating. That makes it Zereshava between Mefata and Ma'anis. What does Zereshava teach me? That just like by the case of Ones, there's an obligation to pay 50 silver pieces, so too by the case of Ones, there's an, I'm sorry, of Mefata, of seduction, there's an obligation to pay 50 silver pieces. Incredible. Vaishlakish also requires, ultimately, again, the same halakha nabaye, that if the girl dies, you're not obligated to pay the penalty, so doesn't he need the drasha for that as well? To which the Gemara says, Here's the problem. Everyone needs all of these rushes for all of these halachas. So what's going on over here? Ella, here we go, Bose. This is actually fascinating. She's a Kraikzivi. Bose, here's what I know. What I know is I have six words to work with. What are the six words to work with? Nara, Nara, Hanara, Besula, Besulos, Habesulos. Right? That's what I know. And I will say, here's also what I know. Trelebufayim. See, I will say, ultimately again, Halachalamaisa. I know that I know two, I need two of those words to teach me the Kor Halachas, namely, that the Halacha applies to a Basula or a Nara who's a Basula. The Chabachadabaye, I know that I need one of these words to teach me the Halacha of Abaye, namely, you're only obligated to pay the penalty if the girl is still alive. 
Bechalik Zerah Shaba. I also know that I need another one of the words to create the Zerah Shaba between Mephata, seduction, and violation. Ayasru Lei Trey. Ayasru Lei Trey. There are two words left. Two words left. Chad La'asriye Chayvei Lavin. Bechad La'asriye Chayvei Krisos. One is to include the fact of Bosei. That even if a man violates a woman who is prohibited to him by Allah, he still has to pay the penalty. And one is to include to me the halacha that even if a man violates a woman as a thief of kares, he is still obligated to go ahead and pay the penalty. So I will say, essentially what the Gemara just said is like this. We have a pool of words for drashas. And I know that some have to be used to teach us a kor halacha. Some have to be teach us to teach us a bayes halacha or a papas halacha. I should say one is needed for the Gzair Shava, one is to teach the drush of the girls to still be alive. But other than that, you have extra words. So however you want to apply those extra words, that's up to you. But everyone agrees on the core drushes. It's pretty incredible. And I will say this comes to us through the following time. The Sanya, Lo Isha, the Pasik says if a man violates a woman, he's obligated to marry her. Well, say Shimon Atimani says that in fact the halacha, the halacha only applies in a situation where a man is able to marry this woman. So we'll say Shimon Atimani says that halacha if a man violates a woman who he is not able to marry, then these halachas do not apply. Shimon Omer says it only applies to a woman who you can engage in a sustainable marriage with. My, my benai, I will say, what's exactly is interesting these two approaches. mamzeres unesina ika benai. I will say, here's the chilek. Mamzeres or nesina. What does that mean? So, I will say, according to the opinion who says that you just have to be able to, be able to marry a woman, I will say, can you marry a mamzeres? Can you marry a mamzeres? The answer is, yes. It's usr, it's usr, but can you affect marriage? If you give a mamzeres a ring, is it a marriage? And the answer is, yes. Say if it's about the ability to marry, then the Knesset will apply to these women. But I will say, if it's about a sustainable marriage, then although you can affect a marriage with a mamzeres, that is not a sustainable marriage. We'll say you will stop over here for today. We're stopping a little bit mid-discussion. We'll pick up a marriage tomorrow with Rabbi Akiva. Shkoyach.